Homesteads and Homeschools as part of the Liberty Hippie Podcast Network. If you like what we do, be sure to check out This Week in Liberpods, Peace Freaks, Cannabis Heals Me, and Free Markets Green Earth. We're living proof that libertarian doesn't mean washed up Republican. Hey y'all, it is hot, 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 hot. It's about 7.30 at night right now, and it is 85 degrees in my house, 93 outside, sun's still cooking in through those those windows, cooking us like a little, little greenhouse. Uh, yeah, the AC went out, so wonderful times. They should be here tomorrow to fix it, but man, in the meantime, it is getting toasty. Hey folks, I am your host of the Liberty Hippie here with you for another episode of the Homesteads and Homeschools podcast. Today's episode number 75, which means you can find the show notes at homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash 075. My guest today was uh, was homeschooled through his, his childhood. He went into homeschool, came out, and then went back in and, and wrapped things up like that. And we, we got into you know his experiences on, on both sides, and uh, it was an enjoyable conversation, and I, I hope you all will enjoy it as well. Stick around uh, after the show, and I will we'll fill your little ear holes with some more of my voice. All right, guys. So uh, let's let's go plant those liberty seeds with my guest, Mr. Anthony. So, I have another another guest this week. Um, uh, two weeks ago, we had uh, uh, Beth on, and she was homeschooled coming up, and it's been a while since I, I had on a, an adult homeschooled person. I got another one. So Anthony, welcome to the show today. Thank you for, uh, for coming on and, uh, sharing your, your story, sharing what was happening. Absolutely, Ben. So, um, I guess were you, were you homeschooled the whole way through? Uh, no, I was, I was homeschooled in two different stretches. I was homeschooled first from kindergarten to first grade. And then again, from 10th grade until graduating high school. So at the very beginning of schooling and the very tail end of schooling, I was homeschooled. Bookend that, good deal. Do you remember why, um, did you ever talk to your parents about like why you, why, why they started homeschooling you in the first place? We, we've, my, my father's career uh, through corporate America pretty much took us all over the Midwest as I was a child. So uh, when I started off in kindergarten, first grade. The local schools were not up to snuff for what my parents considered to be good schools. And uh, so they, they schooled me themselves. Uh, when I went into second grade, we moved out into a more rural area. And the schools were more to my parents' taste. So they allowed me to uh, attend private or public school for a year. And then my public school in second grade shut down from third grade until fifth grade. I was in a uh, Lutheran private school. Why, why did it get shut down? Uh, the public school was shut down because it was a very small public school. 
it was very rural and it was right at the beginning in the uh, late 80s when they were starting to shut down rural schools and kind of join them together into mega schools in the larger cities. So I, I went from a school that had probably, it was K through six, and it probably had maybe 60 children total. Yeah. To, uh, when they when they formed us into the larger school, it was going to be a school of about 300 kids. And so at that point, my parents pulled me out again, put me into a private school. They, they've always been concerned about class size. That's always been a major concern of theirs. Yeah, it's and it's a big one. I mean, it's that uh, are you one in thirty or one in ten? You know, like what's what's that ratio? Because it makes a big difference. Exactly, and they always knew that I was a uh, a very demanding child when it came to education. I was very inquisitive. I was always demanding of the teachers' attention. And, you know, some teachers absolutely enjoyed it, but most teachers absolutely resented it and they didn't like it. Yeah, it's funny. Sometimes you, you see that teachers are supposed to, I don't, I don't know. It just, it, when you have a kid that keeps bothering you, it's almost more, more of a burden than uh, the, the kid that just sits there and goes with the flow and doesn't, doesn't ask questions. Um, yeah, absolutely. Especially, especially the era that I went to school well before the internet. So there really wasn't an easy way, especially out in a rural area, for me to go and teach myself. I didn't have immediate access to a library. There was no Google. There was no Wikipedia, no YouTube. It was pretty much uh, figure it out yourself or ask a teacher or hope your parents know the answer. Yeah, I remember some of that and dealing with the, was it like Encarta? I think Encarta was the big like uh, encyclopedia on the computer. There's like a CD-ROM and... Yeah, I had Compton's, Compton's Encyclopedia, yeah. I used to copy all sorts of stuff out of there for, for my history classes. It's always, always fun. But So you uh, bounced around. How long did you stay at the, the Lutheran school for? I was at the Lutheran school until we moved uh, when I was in fifth grade. We moved to Cleveland, Ohio. And I spent one year in a Lutheran school there, but it was uh, very urban. It was my first experience with an, an urban setting i was a very much a country child uh, but i was able to do pretty well on my my um, grades that i was uh, later admitted to a very prestigious preparatory school and that's where i was from sixth grade until ninth nice so uh i guess why did they why did they decide to pull you out at the end did you guys move again or was it something else uh, we, we didn't move. The, the issue that I ran into is when you get into a large, uh, well-known, well-established preparatory school, uh, the, the, we went from in eighth grade, our class size was about 75 kids, and I knew all of them. I knew a lot of them personally. I'd been to a lot of their homes. Um, but in ninth grade, we completely exploded into a class size of about 140. And the biggest reason was just like a lot of parents are starting to figure out that it's cheaper for their kid to do all their liberal arts requirements at a community college and then do the rest of it at an established four-year school. Now, a lot of parents realized it would be cheaper and easier to get your kids into an Ivy League school if instead of having your child go through an expensive preparatory school for all 12 years plus kindergarten, instead just have them go for high school for ninth to 12th grade. 
So the biggest issue that I had was that that class size grew exorbitantly. And the issue I had was in, in the uh, grade school and the middle school uh, portion of the, of the school itself, a lot of those teachers absolutely loved my inquisitive nature. And a lot of them actually uh, gave me, you know, after school assignments, uh, hang around the computer lab after school, I learned how to code. I learned how to build computers. I learned Morse code. I got my start in ham radio. I got my start in model rocketry. It really allowed me to expand my hobbies and, and learned a lot of different things. But as soon as I got into high school, that all ended. And all the after school activities suddenly went from academically minded to sports minded. And there were there was significantly less activities for me to do uh, that would keep my mind active and more activities along the lines of join the football team, join the, join the baseball team, join the swimming team. And yeah. Was that because, you know, you're, you're going to a prep school and, you know, ideally you're going to a, a, a I don't know, a, a big college afterwards, one with some, some reputation. Was it, is it better looking on a resume to have, you know, sports rather than some of the there were there were a lot of new kids that came into our class in ninth grade that had come from public schools that absolutely excelled at sports and i believe that was exactly what it was they were coming in on grants they were coming in on scholarships and that way then our preparatory school would look better because there are a lot of parents that for some reason think that the sports scores are everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I've seen that. And I think there's something to that. I know I've, I remember seeing a study at one point in time um, that like there was some, some correlation between like high population school population that like are engaged in sports and after school sports. And I think it might've extended into like any sort of after school activity um, were did better off, like in class in general, there was more engagement and, and they, they, they kind of learned better, I guess. Um, I don't know, see if I can dig that up. But, so did you, you participate in the sports side of things at all or. Uh, I was very loosely in the baseball in uh, grade school, and I did not carry that over into high school at all. I had absolutely zero interest in sports whatsoever. But a lot, a lot of our teachers and um, the uh, counselors at the high school were very insistent that pushing sports, you need sports, sports will get you into a good school. Ivy League cares about sports and this and that and so forth and so on. I never really cared whatsoever. Good deal. Good deal. Did you, were you, did you get involved with um, other extracurricular stuff or just kind of keep on with your, your ham radio type stuff? And uh, the, the, the biggest, the biggest issue I had with ninth grade was in ninth grade, they felt that the school load was going to be so great that they cut off all extracurricular activities except for sports related activities for ninth grade. That's crazy. So just like, just like in college, they don't allow freshmen to park their personal vehicles on campus. For our high school, freshmen weren't allowed to join the AV club or do the um, do a lot of activities. I snuck into <laughs> some after school activities as a freshman. 
I actually was uh, the unnamed freshman that was in the AV club building sets for the plays and things like that. And uh, the one of the one of the better teachers I had in the lower school, his counterpart in the upper school knew a lot about me from him. And so he was very accepting of me and he kind of just let me in, let me do my thing. And that it was, it was a happy kind of thing until they found out I wasn't taking any of the extracurricular activities I was supposed to be taking. (laughs) That's crazy. That's like, but but that's, that's what it is. That's how it goes, how how it goes. And and the problem with a school like that was that school at that point had been open for 110 years and this is the way we've always done it. And this is the way you're going to do it. Yeah. It's too bad. I am sure there are, Plenty of other students out there like like you that would have you know benefited from being able to get involved more in those and stick with them. They, they would have the, the issue for me at my age. I was just on the cusp of where they were constantly trying to uh, shove Ritalin down my throat mm-hmm. and and classify me as being ADHD, which I absolutely yeah I definitely am. I have very much not so much a focus problem as an I'm easily bored problem. And and that's that's the problem. If they go too slowly in teaching me things, or they don't pay attention to my questions, I just lose all interest whatsoever. Yeah, I think there's a, probably a fair bit of that. Um, you know, kids getting all the the, the ADHD and the Ritalin, the, the Adderall and stuff. Is it's? I bet you it's a fair bit of boredom, right? You just you're spent on what is provided and so i'm gonna go you know drift off and think about all those things in my head and, and that looks like i'm doing something else um that that said our 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 he's almost four and uh we might someday go down that route because he's wild and crazy but there's a bunch of other things going on there so oh, for, for for me it was about learning how to how to figure it out uh, if you pace yourself to the point where you're bored and you have a lot of other hobbies on your plate, you can switch between things and slowly get things done and kind of like a, a round robin fashion. And that's that's how I was able to overcome my ADHD a lot in a lot of ways. But the issue for me was when they would force me to focus on one subject at a time. And that I just could not do. Yeah. And it's as well, because it's, I mean, as long as you're, if you're getting it all, who cares? You know, it does. If your method is different than you know the the prescribed method, who cares? You know, if it's still getting getting the results you need. Um, and and that was the that was the problem with the with a private school like that because they received absolutely no assistance from the government. I was never uh, forced to take any of the standardized tests. So if I was learning what they wanted me to learn, it was up to them as to whether or not I was learning what they wanted. It wasn't, you know, learn so much and then take the, uh, what were they, the Idaho tests and, and uh, pass these standards in, like it is today with, um, you know, what are they calling it now? The, the new standard across the. Oh, I don't, I don't even know. There's uh, so many of them. I can't remember all the, the acronyms for, for all the garbage. Um, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous to assume everyone learns the exact same way. They don't. 
And, and to think that everybody should learn the same way. Everybody should learn the same information at the same time in their life, at the same age. You know, like, it's absurd. It just doesn't, I mean, in, in what world does that work for anything? Um, yeah, when, when I entered second grade, I was the only kid in second grade that was able to read, and I was able to read at a fifth grade level. And that's because my mom had taught me how to read in kindergarten and first grade when I was first homeschooled. But, you know, when, when the frustration became so great about, you know, I don't want to learn, I don't want to learn Latin. I've had five years of Latin at that point. And I'm like, there's no reason on God's green earth I'm ever going to use Latin except to sound pompous and arrogant. And all the other things they were trying to cram down my throat, I didn't care one bit about any of the things they were trying to teach me. And it got to the point where, uh, as a family, we sat down, uh, my parents and I, and we had a conversation. And I said, I'm not happy in ninth grade. This is not, the school has completely changed. And I just feel as though I'm being dragged down. And so this this was the very early days of the internet. And I remember my dad dialed up his laptop, started looking around the internet into homeschooling and what it would basically be. And we found a, a correspondence school. And it was a correspondence school that it was not a high school equivalency. It was an actual legitimate high school diploma. Okay. This was so early in the days of internet that I would have to do all my coursework and homework and tests and actually mail them in in an envelope. Uh, they they didn't even they didn't even have an email address for the teachers yet. Okay, so but it, it was like a long like a, like a distance learning type thing, or when you say correspondence school, what do you what do you mean? I actually looked them up recently and found out they're still in business and they're actually doing better than ever. They're completely online now. The school is called Keystone National High School. They're based out of Pennsylvania. And compared to what we were spending on my tuition at the private school, I mean, it was absolute chump change. Yeah. So my parents basically said, if this is what you want to do, we can do it this way. You'll end up getting an actual high school diploma. We won't have to get you a GED. You won't have to get a diploma from whatever local public school just because you, you tested for qualification through whatever the homeschool laws of Ohio were at the time. And when basically they, they agreed, you do this, you've got this much time to complete it. We're going to leave you to it. And we're saving this much on your tuition to the end of high school. So if you want to pursue any of your additional hobbies, use it spend it feel free to do so nice that's cool that works so that that's that's what you did then you came out did you say you came out 10th grade yeah. or 9th grade at the end of 9th grade that was that was the end of 9th grade i went into basically no, not so much homeschooling as it was just self-teaching through textbooks how did that transition go did you miss anything any any parts of your did you were you able to see friends and, and stuff like that or how did that transition happen the best part of it was we had a lot of uh, summer programs at my old private school, and I was very active in a lot of them. As a counselor, we had a computer uh, uh, summer camp. We also had a space summer camp. And uh, one of my favorite teachers from middle school was the one in charge of both of them. So even after I had left the school in high school and gone and become a homeschooler, I actually kept those counseling jobs in the summer 
And so a lot of my friends that I had from middle school, I continued to see in the summers whenever I would go in in council at the computer in the space camps. Good deal. That's, that's cool. I I imagine, because I always think that would be, it's one thing to be like kind of homeschooled on up through and you, you know, you build your social groups and you build those networks, but then I, I, thinking about being in a public school and then being pulled out of that and your schedules are so different. I could see where in, you know, those, Uh, especially for, for me, I'm the youngest of five, but at that point I'm, I'm the youngest of five by seven years. So by that point I was the only kid left in the house. So I was very much alone. I was never really a social butterfly to begin with in school. So what little social contact I kept with my friends was more than enough to, to satiate my small appetite. Right on. So um, I was going to ask you if you were uh, an only child, if you had siblings. Were your, um, were your siblings homeschooled at all? No, absolutely not. I was the only one. All right. And so I'm trying to think. You were in you were in kindergarten. There would have been the next closest one would have been in like middle school, seventh grade. Is that right? And and for for them, it was more my parents didn't have the time for homeschooling because they were young. They were starting their careers. Uh, both my father and my mother were working. But by the time I got to school age, my father was making enough to support the entire family. And that's when my mother was able to focus on me more. I, I do feel some resentment from my older siblings for it as, as I'm kind of like the favorite baby child. <laughs> But at the same point, I think my mother kind of resents it more because she homeschooled me and she taught me to think independently. I'm the one of the five most likely to give her crap. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I think you either got to be like the last one and and play the baby card or you got to be like the oldest one and, you know, be be that favorite. Um, it can go go either way. Um, my, oh, our- yeah, my oldest... This sister pulls that card all the time. You never let me do that when I was that young. Yep. I, I remember that. I remember that with my, my younger brother. You know, like I look back, I'm like, wait a minute, I, I didn't get to do that. And I, I see it now with my kids. You know, our, our oldest is like, it's like, you, you, you treat him so different. And I talk about the little one. I never, you know, and like, well, I guess, you know, you kind of, you wore us down and that's how it, how it goes. But uh, uh, so did you do anything after, after high school? Uh, after I finished high school, I did maybe about, I, I finished high school early in the middle of spring. And so I had a very long summer break. And then I did go into into uh, college. I went into a, a Catholic university that uh, I did a liberal arts major to begin with. And the transition from homeschool to college was the schoolwork was very similar. When you get into the when you get into a university, a lot of it is a professor hands you a syllabus. This is what I expect of you, and most of them don't even take attendance for the actual classes. So, in a lot of ways, it was like my homeschooling experience for high school, and that I could go through the textbook, I could do the assignments, and I could literally just mail them in. But the uh, the bigger issue for me was uh, we did not have quite enough for me to afford to live on campus. So the big stressor was it was an hour drive one way every day for me to get to school. Uh, that plus you know, a new social life, everything else. And eventually I flaked out and just 
the the issue I had was very similar to high school in that I was being forced to take all these liberal arts classes and things I had absolutely zero desire to learn anything about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, I want to, I want to go to school. I want to learn to be this. I want to learn to be that. Why do I need to know about women's study? Yeah. Yeah. Why, why do I have to learn about you know, East Asian history? It makes absolutely no sense. It has nothing to do with learning trigonometry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember that sort of when some of my, early, early college there was just, it's like, why is this necessary? You know, like, great. So I, I can tell you, you know, some random facts about the Caribbean, right? Like some, some Caribbean recipes, like, or so whatever. And, and it like, what bearing does that necessarily have on, on some of the other stuff that I want to do or what I want to actually do? Um, and it's, I'm not sure if it's like, if it becomes just a, a money-making thing, right? And like you have to take these, you know, prereqs so you can be a, a well-rounded individual and, you know, or or if it, they actually think it'll help you. Um, I, I kind of, I don't know. It eventually got to the point where I saw how much my tuition was racking up. Mm -hmm. And the, the concept, the idea of living with that much debt and and moving on into the world just absolutely crippled me so i quickly dropped out and and i i did a semester at a community college just to take some classes and things that i was interested in but after that point i just got a job at a home depot and i wasted 10 years of my life there yeah uh, at the same point at the end of that 10 years i had paid off what uh, student debt I had already accrued and since then the sky's been the limit because even though I don't have a college diploma I started life without that crippling debt yeah that that's um when you you <laughs> looking at like student debt now you know and and like looking at what it has become you know the the amount of the, the costs of college um in today's world it's just absolutely absurd like i I, can't, I don't understand why people insist on going to school you know when you can go go learn a trade and make just as much if not more than somebody with a, a liberal arts degree um and and your debt is going to be significantly less you know and you start paying back all those other things that you you need you know um it's kind of oh yeah. For for my parents, both my parents have college degrees, and both of them pushed pretty hard for me to just go to school, get your degree, get a good job, be a good you know, uh, be active in society. And I'm the only one of the siblings that does not have a college degree as well. But all things considered, here I am, 37, and I am making just as much per year as my oldest sister, who is a, uh, she is a licensed nurse practitioner. And I'm making just as much as she is, except she has probably $90,000 in student debt that she still has to pay off. Yeah. It's a, uh, I think people are starting to realize that a little bit more that there are things that you can do, um, without a diploma, without that big fancy college degree or, um, you know, a, a specialized kind of two-year degree type thing. Um, they're out there, you know, and I think about that with, with, uh, 
with my kids a lot, you know, cause it's both my wife and I have, have degrees. Um, you know, she's a doctor and I have my masters and we, you know, God knows, I mean, how much we spent in school and you think about the years that we spent in school. Good Lord. Uh, you know, and I'm looking at my kid and thinking if, if he doesn't have to go, like if he's not interested in a, a field where you have to have, you know, a, a degree like a, a lawyer or a doctor or something like that. Well, why? Why does he need to go? Why is this like, you know, something that has just become so, so much a part of society? You graduate high school and go to college, and that's just is what it is because that is what it is, and nobody thinks anymore that maybe, maybe, maybe we shouldn't do this. Um, I, I don't know. If, if I had the ability to go back in time to right before. I went to college. I probably, I didn't even know at that point that trade schools even existed. I didn't even know what they were. Nobody tells you no about counselor. Them. Nobody tells you about it. That if I had known that they had existed, I definitely would have gone to trade school. I probably would have become a mechanic or a technician through that. Instead, I did it the hard way and I did it through job experience and slowly working my way into the position. And, and so I, I worked five years as a mechanic. I did small engine repair. It was absolutely uh, with my inquisitive nature and my love of different challenges. It absolutely fit the bill. I mean, it, you know, it was happy every day. Every day was a different kind of piece of equipment to try and diagnose and fix. And it was, it was great. But the issue became that it just did not pay enough. And, you know, the, the only way that I could make more money was if I got a uh, college education and that that was just disappointing because you know there were a lot of college educated engineers that I could talk under the table and and you know but if you don't have the paper then you don't make the money and that, that paper for me has always been nothing more than proof that you can sit down have somebody have the state just shovel a whole bunch of crap in your skull and you can regurgitate it on command. It doesn't necessarily mean you can put it into action. You can use it. And you, you think about that, like certifications and, you know, like you went to college and you got this certification. So, you know, you can get paid more, whatever. But yet you, you know, just as much as that other person. And when you think about that, you know, like, why do I have to pay for that certification? Like what good does it actually do? Um, you know, and, and people being mandated to do that and forced to do that. Um, and it's just, it's, it's a racket. It's just, you know, the more you think about it, the more you look at these different things you have to pay for so you can work. Um, it's just, it's it really disheartening. Um, you know, well, I know some of my oldest ancestors that came to the United States, they came to the United States and, and they landed in debt. Because they, their you know lords had paid for their way to America, and so when I look at the concept of all that crippling student debt, I think of the same way as my ancestors did when they landed in Baltimore, and I would in fact be an indentured servant of the federal government. And that is the last thing I want to ever become. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's a lot of it. And it's it's scary because. Like I think back and, and, you know, back to like when I was in high school and I graduated and, and back when I taught for a little bit, no one, like none of the counselors, nobody's talking about, you know, finances, right? Nobody's talking about, okay, you're taking on 
this much money per per year, per semester, whatever it is. And this is likely what you're going to make, you know, the first year out of college if you can find a job. And this is, you know, and and even if you like somebody talked about that, nobody they there was no specifics that okay, this is what it actually is going to cost you to live and this is what's going to be left over. And this is how long it's probably going to last. And okay, five percent doesn't seem like a lot of money, but let's talk about interest. Nobody ever talked about that. Right. It was just, oh, you can get a loan. Yeah. That's no problem. You know, big deal. You'll pay it back. You'll get a job. And, and it's just the deceptiveness of it. Um, and, the, and when they have that conversation with you, it's usually just if you get a degree from us, they never specify a degree in one. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's why, that's why now we've got so many people with master's degrees in art history that are nothing more than baristas at Starbucks. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, I, Man, I don't know. I remember when I was looking for um, teaching jobs up in New York, and uh, my wife was on Long Island. And she was going to school in the in the city, and uh, I started looking for jobs, uh, teaching jobs in on Long Island, and quite a number of them, high school teaching, uh, high school level. Uh, you were competing with with people that had PhDs in like education that are, are teaching high school, you know, and, and you just, you see how it's, it's just graduated up, you know, four-year degree was okay. No, now, now you got to have this little bit of extra and you need your master's. No, now you got to have a PhD and it's just, you know, uh, an arms race and the degree certification and how much you're willing to pay to, to get that. Um, and, and I don't know, I just hope my kids don't get involved. The colleges themselves are just constantly raising their tuition year after year because they're in a constant cold war amongst each other about who can build the better facilities to bring in the students. Yeah. And, and I, I remember that watching when I was going to college, watching these this just massive structure going up in the middle and just, it was like, why? Why? Why are you doing it? Like we have a perfectly good student union. We don't need another one. This is like way over the top. You know, and everything. It just and people didn't seem to grasp the concept that that money came out of tuition. That money came out of like federal grants that they had to spend. So we'll like go build this stuff. No, nobody understood that. That this is what's driving the cost of tuition up, man. Like, cut the crap. We don't need it. It doesn't. It doesn't affect anybody. If you want to go study in like a, a recliner, then buy a recliner for your apartment. Whatever. Like, I don't need a. a recliner in my common area thank you i don't know my my one year in college they actually built an entire brand new science center to replace the old science center for one specific reason the old science center was not wired for computer networking and so they built an entire building for computer networking and then three years later wi-fi is invented yeah <laughs> so they could have just kept the old building and put up some Wi-Fi repeaters for crying out loud. Yeah, well, when there's when there's money there, you got to spend it. Right? Use it or use it or lose it. But I don't know, man. Any any um any thoughts looking back that you you I don't know you wish you were homeschooled the whole way through? You happy with the way kind of you, you played it out? If I had been homeschooled the whole way through, I probably would have been finished and done with schooling at like fifteen, sixteen. And honestly, looking back on it, because so much time is spent wasted on uh, the social aspect with kids and, and team building and all the other socialist crap that I'm not particularly a fan of, which, you know, the, 
the biggest issue for me through school was I did have a libertarian upbringing. I am a second generation libertarian. And so the concept of liberty was ingrained into my skull since I was a small child. And that was probably the root source for a lot of conflict between me and a lot of teachers, because a lot of kids would do as they're told. And I was the one that would just ask why. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because I said so. Well, what gives you the authority? I'm your teacher. Well, who made you my teacher? <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, it works. Works. If, if I could go back and do it over, I would definitely would have, I, I would have wished to have been homeschooled more. Yeah. Um, for my parents, it first and first grade was pretty much the limit of it. Second grade, we got out in the country. Schools were better. But my uh, oldest siblings were starting to hit college, so my parents had to both start working again in order to support their tuitions. But uh, I do, I do wish I had been homeschooled throughout the entirety of it. It would have saved me a lot of problems, a lot of grief, and a lot of hard learned lessons as a child. That's for sure. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you think about that. You know, like getting done with your, your requirements earlier and being able to either, um, dual enroll with like a, a local community college or even take those while you're living at home or while you're, you know, able to kind of, it's just cheaper. The biggest, the biggest difference from when I was in school to when I was homeschooled was the, the reward of figuring something out myself. And getting it right and turning it in and getting the paper back in the mail the next week. And, oh, I got 100%. That's fantastic. The reward was so much greater than having a teacher looming over you and just becoming more and more frustrated if you're not understanding quite what they're saying. So being self-taught, being homeschooled definitely injects a lot more pleasure and fun in the concept of learning compared to learning in a school environment. And that for me was probably the biggest difference between the two. And that three years that I spent in the tail end in high school, doing a curriculum myself at my own pace, figuring it out myself, I never once even had to pick up the phone or call a teacher for help or assistance. I preferred the challenge. I enjoyed the challenge. It was far more rewarding. So the one thing I got most out of it was an absolute love for learning that I've continued on to this day. And a lot of my hobbies are every year I've got a new hobby that I absolutely dive headfirst into, learn everything I can about it. And then I move on to the next thing. And it's, it's made me a very fleshed out person. Good deal. Yeah. I think when you, when you, um, are able to teach yourself or able to figure out how to learn things on your own. Um, just that, that buy-in that's acknowledging and seeing firsthand that like I am capable, you know, and, and what that gives you, the confidence that that gives you alone um, is, is worth so much. So. The, the biggest obstacle anyone has to overcome when it comes to learning how to teach themselves is learning how to identify what questions you need to ask and where you need to go in order to find those answers. And uh, that's something I've always had since a child was asking those questions. The only difference was when I started that last stretch of homeschooling, 
it was right at the beginning where the internet was popular. Right. And pretty much when I left high school, the internet was something not many people knew about. It was like, oh, that's war games kind of crap where you dial into a modem and you launch nuclear weapons. And by the time I got into college, all of a sudden everyone had an AOL chat screen name. Everyone had a GeoCities web page. So, but Angel me, Fire, I think, I was, right? You remember Angel Fire? Angel, Angel Fire, Angel Fire, GeoCities. Yep. But for for me, having access to the internet in those crucial three years certainly helped a lot when it came to finding resources, finding answers, because. When I had been in school, I was used to asking questions and getting sniped by the teachers. And in my older age, looking back on their reactions and the way that, that they didn't like my questions, I think it wasn't so much that I was going against their lesson plan. It was more the fact that they didn't know how to answer it or they didn't know the answer to the question at all. And that's that was the biggest issue I had. A lot of our teachers were multi-subject teachers so they weren't true masters of the subject they were teaching to children right on yeah it didn't didn't fit their their mold um, anyway i i appreciate you coming on um any anything you you want to share any place we can go to find you i know you're, you're on twitter there is there any, any place else oh uh, you can find me on twitter i'm at bimbley that's uh baker indigo michael baker lima yankee uh my call sign if you look me up and are a member of the ham community is kilo zero bravo michael bravo which is exactly where my twitter handle comes from uh and uh apart from that no you'll find me on discord and different random servers uh causing a ruckus yeah pretty much yes yeah, so i found you making a scene making waves Absolutely. All right, man. I will put those in the the show notes. And uh, yeah, you you have a a wonderful afternoon. All right, man. All right, guys. I'm back, and it is still toasty in here. I hope you enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. I hope you did as well. If you are looking for more content, you're looking for, for more of my wonderful voice, you can do that over at the Voluntary Contrarian Podcast. I did a uh, little roundtable uh, sort of discussion this past week on uh, on homesteading. There was four of us there, myself, Jared, and uh, Daniel, and Texas Joe, and I they have all been guests on my show. You can find Daniel uh, episode 25. Texas Joe was back on 49 and uh, the voluntary contrarian was episode number 66. I'll link to all those in the show notes as well as uh, a link to our roundtable discussion. I had to dip out a little bit early uh, and, and those fine gentlemen carried on without me. Can you believe it? It was a, a fun conversation to listen to and uh, I think you guys will enjoy it as well. And uh, who knows, it might be something we, we continue to do in the future. So so stick around for that. Pay attention for that. I say thank you to everyone out there who is sharing the show, who is leaving reviews, helping make it grow. The downloads have been been growing, and that's always a nice thing to see. A couple new patrons trickled in. Big thanks to them. Very much uh, appreciative when that, when that happens. Uh, so go out there, uh, leave a review on iTunes, go to patreon.com slash libertyv, and uh, get involved in the Discord channel. 
ask me for a link and I, I can get you one or, uh, you know, whatever. But uh, get there because it's, it's a, a fun little group and um, there's lots of information in there to be had. Anyway, guys, thanks again to all of you guys out there listening, sharing, and supporting the show. Anyway, guys, enjoy your weekend. I hope you come back here next Tuesday with as many digits on your hands as you have right now. Be safe. Have fun. Remember, get out there. Sow those seeds of liberty. We can all reap sheaves of freedom together. Dream.